Thanks for listening to the podcast Hi, of Triple R's. This the is Mission. Daniel James. A weekly and radio this is the podcast of Triple R's The Mission. Lives a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of Aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country. The Mission is broadcast live on Triple R each Tuesday evening. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website. Um, Black and Blue is the story of an Aboriginal woman who worked as a police officer and fought for justice from within a system that, as we all know too well, attacks and kills our people on a regular basis. That woman is Veronica Gorey, a proud Gunai Kurnai woman, and the book is a remarkable story. Like the author herself, it is fearless, it is frank, and is a true account of her life and times. Veronica is also the mother of three amazing kids, who I'm sure many of you would know, and now she is a proud grandmother. And it's with a great pleasure indeed that we welcome uh, Veronica to the mission this evening. Welcome to the mission. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me on your program. Absolutely superb to have you here. It's been a long time coming. We've been toing and froing about all sorts of matters, you and I, um, over recent months. So it's good to be good to actually have you on the show. Um, first of all, uh, thank you for this book. Uh, I reckon it adds to our collective story. Your story is part of the collective story, and it's um, an amazing book. Um, how did the book come about in the first place? Yeah, so in 2011, towards the end of my career, I was diagnosed with PTSD, um, anxiety and depression. And part of my PTSD, I was suffering from trauma and amnesia. So I was was losing a lot of my memories. And um, unfortunately, um, most of my memories that I have lost are my good ones. So I only remember bad stuff. But I started to write down and document what I could remember. And before too long, I had a book worth of memories. Yeah, right. Um, you, you speak in uh, as uh, you, you, you write as you speak. You um, you, you say things in, in plain language. Um, it's like I'm sitting down beside you and you're telling us, you know, these stories and, and these details. Um, you've witnessed the justice system from the inside. Um, for those that don't know, how did you end up actually becoming a police officer in the first place? So I joined Pruri, uh through a program that... Um, um, like uh, they recruit Aboriginal people. It was an Aboriginal traineeship, so I did that for, it was 18 months. Mm -hmm. Um, So 12 months at TAFE, and then every Friday we would attend the academy to assimilate us to Blue, I guess, and um, to get us used to the academy and lifestyle and being being in a pretty much predominantly white institution and a racist institution. But, um, yeah, so that's how the process went. But, um, and then the last, after 12 months at the TAFE, we we, um, we graduated with a Diploma of Justice and then we went straight into the academy. And, um, yeah, by, there was uh, five of us and then by the end of uh, the TAFE course, there was only four of us that made it, unfortunately. Um, you, you've witnessed the justice system, um, as I said, from the outside and, and from the inside. Um, this is a pretty yeah. deep question, but what what did you see in your time in the police force that can inform our understanding of things that are like that are going on at the moment, like the spate of deaths in, in custody that we're seeing at the moment, five in the last month? What did you see within yeah. the police force that can give us an inkling as to why these things continue to happen? Yeah, well, whilst I was in the police and um, I did see a lot of excessive use of force and brutality towards my people, especially 
Um, I also witness, and um, and it happens. It's you know, it's uh, a lot of racial profiling within the police. So mm-hmm. if they saw a black or brown person there, they'll deem to be a criminal before even intercepted. But if you're black and brown, you're deemed to be a criminal, um, and the likelihood of you being intercepted and detained and searched is really high. And um, that's unfortunate, but um, that's the reality of being a black or brown person. Yeah, you're right in in, in the book. Um, police not only brutalise people with excessive force, but they are racist too. If they weren't racist prior to joining the force, in my experience, it seemed they quickly became so. What is it about the force and the system itself that makes people who join the force seemingly become more racist over time? Oh, it's based on systemic racism and the, the whole idea. It's institutionalised racism as well. So, like, if you're, like, a minority, um, you're asked straight away, like, it's so difficult to be a person of colour or an Aboriginal person in the police. Um, you're outnumbered in the first place. But um, we, you know, we get it where the tokenistic black person in the job. And, um, yep. you know, and all, all of us, and I, I, I won't speak for everyone, sorry, I'll speak for myself, but we go in there with good intentions, yep. and um, like myself, and unfortunately, um, you know, it's, it's, it becomes too hard, like, to speak up and to speak out about um, stuff that I've witnessed in the past, it was so difficult, and I know I probably should have spoke up louder and... You know, and I, you know, I feel in that regard, I do feel complicit. Um, I probably should have spoke up loud, and I should have spoke up more often. And, um, but it, it's it's not easy to do that when you are trying to first of all earn a living. You're trying to do the right thing by yourself and by your community, but you are surrounded by, um, you know, a system that is inherently racist. But it's also a system that um, that. Uh, um, you know, persecutes our, our people on on a daily basis. Um, yeah. you, you 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 talked about your experience with also domestic violence as well, and you write a very vivid account of um, the the violence that you suffered. I'm very sorry that you suffered that violence um, at the hands of someone you supposedly was supposed to love you. Um, where do you see the the violence that is suffered by Aboriginal women? Um, every day um, and in higher rates. Where do you see, see that sitting into the, the March for Justice movement? Is there enough being done to elevate the voices of Aboriginal women as part of that movement? No, I think, um, in just my opinion again, but I think a lot of Aboriginal voices are excluded um, and we're not, you know, our voices aren't being heard, which is, you know, which is... I know it's unfortunate, but my book is timely in relation to those matters, you know, and, mm. and Aboriginal deaths in custody as well. But, um, yeah, the family violence I endured, I mean, you know, I, I, was, I was subjected to it whilst I was pregnant as well. And, yeah. um, you know, and, you know, and I'm de- deeply sorry if, if I, you know, I've put my kids through a lot, a fair bit actually, and, um, and I made poor choices in my life, but... Um, you know, you live and you learn, and um, you know my kids are my greatest inspiration, and um, they're so amazing, and I'm blessed to be their mother, actually. Yeah, they they are amazing, and um, you know you've yeah. you've dedicated the book to to all three of them, and I know, um, seeing through social media that they're extremely proud of you, um, as as they should be. Um, you touched upon it just then too, Veronica, that the the book itself is actually 
coming across um, uh, in an intersectional way, it touches upon issues that are really, really, really um, poignant at the moment. And I think the, the, the thing about that is, is that the book um, itself is talking about issues that for us are timeless, um, but they've just come to the fore in, in the mainstream just, just recently. Um, do you have optimism or do you despair about the future of us addressing some of these matters? Um, but we'll, we'll be t- discuss, start talking about the Aboriginal deaths in custody like we've had five in the last four weeks. I don't feel optimistic, and I'm usually um, an optimistic person. Um, mm. I just think that, um, you know, like, you know, this year in April, it will mark the 30th anniversary since the Royal Commission to Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. And of the 339 recommendations, and I know a majority have been implemented, but since then, um, a lot of them have been defunded, so we're not looked after. But um, in saying that, um, a new foundation has been formed, and it's called the Dajawal Foundation, and it's for the families... Um, sorry, I'll go back. It was set up by April Day, who's the daughter of the late Tanya Day, who um, died in custody. Um, and this foundation solely... Um, relies heavily on donations to keep their business, uh, foundation afloat. And this foundation will support families that are going through additional deaths in custody. And whilst we're dealing with the five deaths in custody that we've just had in the last four weeks, we're also having other coronial in, um, inquiries commence in relation to past Aboriginal deaths in custody. So it's like a vicious cycle and it's like we're continuing, as Aboriginal people, we're always um, grieving. It's relentless and it's overbearing. Yeah, the uh, Dajara Foundation actually launched uh, this past Sunday. And if you want to actually contribute, find out what the foundation does, you can go to their website, which is dajara.com.au. Let me spell that out for you. It's D-H-A-D-J-O-W-A.com.au. It's an organisation that supports families who have lost loved ones whilst in custody. And it's um, if, if there's a cause to support at the moment, it is that one. Because, um, as you just said, Veronica, the, the, the trauma of this just seems to keep on rolling us. If, if there's not a new death, then there's a new inquest and there's the, all the harrowing stories that come out of those inquests that just keep that trauma rolling on and on. That's right. That's correct. And also the coronial inquests um, could go on to up to three weeks and um, it's a costly exercise for the family and um, it's important for the family to be present and um, as traumatising as it is, um, and it really is. I mean, it's like they're relive, you know, re, mm. reliving the, the the death of the loved one again because they're they're witnessing, you know, sometimes the moments the loved one take their last breath, and it's so so disheartening. It's so sad. But um, the Dajua Foundation is um, supports families uh, throughout that process, and it's an amazing um, foundation, and everyone should um support. support Absolutely, them. good. Get on board with it. One thing I like in the um, at the very start of the book, the introduction that you you do, you um, you stipulate that whenever you refer to the mission, um, you're yep. referring to uh, Lake Tyres Aboriginal Trust. Um, yep, for people that don't, yeah. So people that don't know about that particular part of the world, um, what does it mean to you, and and, and what does it what does it mean to to your mob? It's home for us, so um, we go there all the time. We go there to pay our, our respects to our, our past ancestors. But um, that's where my father grew up. That's where my grandmother was born. You know, my grandfather. 
Um, yeah, it's just home for us and, yeah, it's a special place and I absolutely love going back there. Yeah, it's uh, absolute, you know, it's actually paradise actually. It's such a, such a beautiful um, part of the world. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Before I let you go, uh, Veronica, you, you, I heard in another interview, another interview, because I've been doing a bit of research and I've been listening to what you've had to say, you yeah, said that you... <laughs> I've, been, I've been stalking you on the, airwa- on the airwaves. Um, yeah, you, on say, you say that you like to um, write as you speak. And that, that puzzled me a little bit because when I read the, uh, the, the book, there was no swearing whatsoever in it. <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, I've got a potty mouth, hey. You so, are... All right, so I didn't. That's a probably a mistruth there. I won't say lie because I don't lie. But um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the way I write is the way I speak, and I want the reader to feel like I'm sitting beside them having a yarn. Because black as black fellows, we're you know we're the best storytellers, and our ancestors have been doing it for generations. So that's how um I want the reader to feel like I'm sitting there having a yarn with them. Yeah, look, uh, dear listener, um, uh, uh, Veronica could could swear for Australia if uh, if there was a contest <laughs> in it. But uh, she's uh, she's uh, put on her, her her manners this evening, and uh, she's uh, um, been very generous with her time and very generous with the book. If you haven't got it, um, go and get it. It's black and blue. It's out now in all good bookshops. Uh, Ronnie, Ronnie, thank you so much for your time. Um, it would be great to get you back on the show, actually, just to talk about a whole range of things because I know that you're across oh. a number of issues um, that you think about deeply so it'd be good just to have you on on the show again just for, for a yarn about um whatever we want to yarn about basically yeah it's so deadly daniel and thank you for having me on the show and i would love to come back thank you thanks for listening to the podcast of triple r's the mission a weekly radio show exploring the issues that impact the lives of aboriginal people and those at the wrong end of social justice in this country the mission is broadcast live on triple r every tuesday evening Hope you've enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via the Triple R website.